Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, do speak to our hearts now. Teach us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Genesis 47, new chapter this morning, chapter 47, first six verses. Please follow along, Genesis 47, verse 1. Then Joseph came and told Pharaoh and said, My father and my brethren, their flocks and their herds and all that they have are come out of the land of Canaan. Behold, they are in the land of Goshen. And he took some of his brethren, even five men, and presented them unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto his brethren, What is your occupation? They said unto Pharaoh, Thy servants are shepherds, both we and also our fathers. They said, Moreover unto Pharaoh, for to sojourn in the land are we come, for thy servants have found have no pasture for their flocks, for the famine is sore in the land of Canaan. Now therefore we pray thee, let thy servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Pharaoh spake unto Joseph, saying, Thy father and thy brethren are come unto thee. The land of Egypt is before them, then the best of the land. Make thy father and brethren to dwell in the land of Goshen. Let them dwell. And if thou knowest any men of activity among them, then make them rulers over my cattle. Okay. Now, so here we are. We come to chapter 47. That means we ended chapter 46, and as we did that, we saw how Joseph had taken great pains to prepare his brothers and his father for this great meeting that they're going to have with Pharaoh. And Joseph, you remember in the last chapter, he rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed all that they were going to say when uh, that they were shepherds, they were shepherds, they were shepherds, and they had sheep and they had flocks and all the things the Egyptians hated. And he told them to only say that and to say that their grandfather was a shepherd, their great-grandfather was a shepherd, it was just in their blood, and that's their identity, they're, they're shepherds. And he told them to emphasize that they brought their herds, they brought their flocks into Egypt. So we saw last time how, how, how Joseph had purpose in doing this. He wanted them to, to, to center on the fact that they were shepherds because that would make them abominable to the Egyptians. And that was critical to Joseph because he was, he was trying to get his family insulated in, in insulated and isolated, insulated from the Egyptian culture and their gods and their idolatry, and isolated from from intermarriage within the Egyptians by becoming this cast of people that were the shepherds that were abominable. So after they came to Goshen, then Joseph told them that that he was going to go up to uh, to Pharaoh in Memphis, and that's this is where we are now. This is the start of chapter forty-seven with Joseph going up to Pharaoh. So Joseph goes and he wants to speak to Pharaoh alone first, not with his family, because and he's going to tell the Pharaoh that his family had come. He didn't want to have this meeting with Pharaoh with his family standing right by him, brothers, because that would really be too much pressure 
on Pharaoh to, for his family to be standing there. I mean, it just look, you know, it, I mean, you know, if it had been that way, then, you know, it, it would have been like, Pharaoh, just look at my poor family standing here. How come you deny them? You know, and, and he didn't want to do that, you know, and then, of course, then all the brothers would start crying on cue. But because Joseph actually had, and what we see here is a special relationship with Pharaoh. And, and, and Joseph uh, had obviously a special relationship with his family, but he was not going to pit one against the other. He wasn't going to be in a situation like that where he might have to choose loyalty to Pharaoh, loyalty to family. And, 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 and for sure, Pharaoh appreciated this. Pharaoh appreciated this, how, how, how Joseph first had this private meeting with Pharaoh in which he could report to Pharaoh. His family has come. Now they were in Goshen. And of course, the fact that Joseph had put his family in Goshen, he was kind of pushing the cards in that direction, you know, so, so that they, so it would be like, oh, they're in Goshen. Well, then why not just let them settle there in Goshen? Now, why this private meeting between Joseph and Pharaoh is so important in verse one is because Joseph did not allow his family to settle in until he first met with Pharaoh and obtained permission from Pharaoh. I mean, this means that when, when Joseph had his family first come to, to Goshen, he made it clear to them, look, you're in the land of Goshen, and I hope that you'll be able to settle here in Goshen, but, but you cannot settle here in Goshen until Pharaoh gives you permission to make this your place. And, and I mean, Joseph had a lot of authority. He had a lot of authority in Egypt, but he didn't have all authority. And, and Pharaoh was still Pharaoh. And Pharaoh made it clear to Joseph that he don't have all authority. He said that in Genesis 41.40. Genesis 41.40, where Pharaoh said to Joseph, Thou shalt be over my house, and according to thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. So Joseph then comes and, and in submission has this private meeting with Pharaoh in which he hopes that his family is going to be allowed to live in Goshen. And, and he's acknowledging that who lives in, in, Go, in the land of Goshen was not Joseph's to give. It wasn't that. He had, he had to get this permission. So this is interesting because we see in this relationship between Joseph and Pharaoh an illustration of the relationship between God the Son, the Lord Jesus, and God the Father. I mean, when the Lord Jesus described where believers were going to be when they died, which is pretty relevant for us, he talked about it in John 14, and he said in, in John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again, receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So he didn't say, in my house are many mansions. What he said was, in my Father's house are many mansions. I mean, so that shows he's got to get permission. So here's the mother of Zebedee's children. And, and, and just like a mother, she's trying to look out and get a space, special favor for her children. When it says in, Ma- in Matthew 20, 20, Matthew 20, 20, where it says, there came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him, desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, what wilt thou? She saith unto him, grant 
that these my two sons may sit, the one on the right hand, on thy right hand, and the other on the left, in thy kingdom. And Jesus answered and said, you know not what you ask. Are you able to, uh, are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of, be baptism with the baptism that I baptize with? They said unto him, the two sons said, we are able. He saith unto them, you shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized, baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give but it's gonna be prepared, given to them whom it is prepared of my father. Now, she realized, she realized that the Lord was God. She realized that he had a throne in heaven, and she tried to secure for her two sons that one would be on his right hand and one would be on the left hand, and, and the Lord responded and said, it's not mine to give. It's not mine to give. I don't have the authority to give that, but the father is gonna give that for whom he chose. Well, that's exactly what we're seeing here with Joseph and Pharaoh. And when it comes to who's going to live in the land of, of Canaan, it's almost like Joseph could say, Matthew 20, 23, it's not mine to give. He could say that to his family. Now, we see the first words that Joseph does say to Pharaoh in verse 1 when he says, my father and my brethren and their flocks and herds and all that they have are come. And Joseph admired, uh, sorry, Joseph was admired by Pharaoh. Pharaoh admired Joseph from the first day that he met him. Pharaoh said about Joseph in, in Genesis 41, 38, Genesis 41, 38, that famous verse, Pharaoh says to his servants, he speaks to his courtiers, and he says, can we find such a man as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And the longer that Pharaoh got to know Joseph, the longer he worked with Joseph, the more Pharaoh really appreciated Joseph. That's just the way it was with Joseph. That's what we saw in his life with Potiphar and the life with the prisoner. The more you, the more you knew him, the more you loved him. And, and so when Pharaoh heard that Joseph's brothers had come to, to, to come down there to Egypt, Pharaoh liked them even without even knowing them. Just the fact that they were Joseph's family was good enough for Pharaoh, for him to favor them, for him to want to give them the best of the land of Egypt. Why? Because it was their relationship to Joseph, the brothers' relationship to Joseph, that put them into this favored status with Pharaoh. And that's an important parallel for us because it's the love that God the Father has for God the Son. It's deep, and, and as the Lord Jesus said in, in John 3.35, John 3.35, the Father loveth the Son and given, every, given all things into his hand. And that was John 3.35, John 5.20, he said, he said something similar. John 5.20, he said, for the Father loveth the Son and showeth him all things that himself doeth, and he will show, he will show him greater works than these that ye may marvel. And the Father spoke directly of his love for the son, when on two occasions, the one in, in Matthew 3.17, Matthew 3.17, where he said, where it says, lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the Lord Jesus spoke to the father of the love that the father had for him, the Lord Jesus, in his prayer his high priestly prayer in John 17, 23. John 17, 23, the Lord says to the Father, I am them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. 
So this this love that he's speaking of here, this is the Echad bond, the unity bond that is that is the essence of the Shema in Deuteronomy six four. The Deuteronomy six four is about the unity bond when it says, "Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Echad, one Lord." That's like the love that Joseph has for that that Pharaoh has for Joseph. That's the, that's the same. And, and that's why it's important for us to see how we as believers are related to the Lord Jesus Christ. We are related. The brothers were related. They were, re, they, they were part of his family to Joseph. We are also. Why? Because in Ephesians 1.5, Ephesians 1.5, it says, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children, by Jesus Christ to himself, to God, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, in whom we have, and wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. So the Lord Jesus not only redeemed us to God through his blood, but he's the one who brought us in to be adopted by God the Father. And now the Bible says we cry to God the Father like a little baby, like a little child rather, like a little child, when it says in Romans 8.15, Romans 8.15, you have not received the spirit of bondage, again, to fear. You have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We cry, Abba, Father. reminds me, Mike Johnson was telling me that he visited Manhattan one time in the winter time. It was cold and it was freezing, but he decided to go to the ice skating rink at the Rockefeller Center. So I went there and, and there was a father and a little boy skating and the father was holding the little boy's hand and all the little boy just kept saying incessantly, Abba, 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 Abba. That was what he was saying there. He's from Israel. So that's a picture of what the Bible means in, in Romans 8.15 after we have transferred from being from having the spirit of bondage to having the spirit of adoption just like the little boy we reach out our reach out our hand to god we say abba 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 but when we became adopted by god by god the father that not only changed our relationship to god the father because now the father but it also changed our relationship to the lord jesus christ because as from the adoption, then we became brothers to him. Just like Joseph was related to his brothers, our adoption by God the Father has made us brothers to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, in, in David's time, of course, we know this, that, that he was from the tribe of Judah. He was from the tribe of Judah. And they didn't come out. They weren't the first to come out and bring him back after the Absalom Rebellion. And so David, David sent a message to them and it's interesting what he said in, in 2 Samuel 19.12. In 2 Samuel 19.12, this is David's message to Judah. And when he said to Judah, ye are my brethren, ye are my bones and my flesh. It's interesting he says that. He's describing to them that he was related to them. He says, my brethren, and then the two words, bone, my bones, my flesh, bones and flesh. And what's so interesting, because when he uses those words, is that those are the same words, bones and flesh, that are used to describe how after the adoption, we are related to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
It says in Ephesians 5.30, Ephesians 5.30, we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Now, at the end of verse 1, we can see how Joseph explained to Pharaoh that they're already in the land of, of Goshen, and, and he didn't say they, 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 they've made that their home, but he left the door open, you know, for Pharaoh to, to make another decision. But for the moment, that's where they were. So after his private meeting with uh, Pharaoh, Joseph then decides to bring, bring his, his brothers, some of his brothers, in verse 2, to meet Pharaoh. And he took some of his brethren, even five men, and presented them unto Pharaoh. So Joseph, he now goes out and he chooses five of his brothers to come. Don't you wonder which, which five they were <laughs> and how he made that decision? I'm sure Reuben was not one of them. Hey, Reuben, you know, oh, man, it's dangerous to have Reuben. He's so impulsive. He says and then he thinks. You know, he's dangerous. But I wonder what the criteria was for, for, for Joseph choosing out those five, those selected there. He probably, he, he probably was watching them very carefully for who was taking him the most seriously when he was telling him, this is what you got to say to Pharaoh. I mean, after all, this was a tense meeting. This was a tense meeting. I mean, that the brothers should behave themselves and not do something stupid. Not that they ever did anything like that, but anyway, they, <laughs> but it, 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 he probably chose Judah. He probably chose Benjamin. I don't know who else he chose, but he chose five. They gotta be the types that are the cooler heads types. Not, but it's really something that it says in, in verse two that Joseph then presented them to his brothers to Pharaoh. I mean, can't you picture Joseph bringing in those five brothers and saying to Pharaoh, these are my brothers. These are my brothers. I mean, with no hesitation, Joseph says, these are my brothers. You know? I mean, it's not like he, he comes in there in shame and said, yeah, there they are. There's my brothers, you know. Yeah, what are you going to do? These are my brothers, you know. I didn't choose them to be my brothers, but that's what I got. No, it, it wasn't with this air of apology that Joseph brought in his brothers and said to Pharaoh, these are my brothers. We can imagine, he's happy. He's happy. He said, these are my brothers. This is really something. I mean, and, and just, just kind of picture this. This great man, Joseph, he's great in all the land of Egypt. He's famous throughout all Egypt. Everybody knows his name throughout all Egypt. It was it was when he came into a town, it was Joseph is coming, Joseph is coming. And when he got there, every knee bowed before him. And he was a very great man in Egypt. Now, by contrast, here comes these rough and tumble, you know, looking shepherds. I mean, their clothing was atrocious, but Joseph had already taken care of that because he sent with the wagons changes of clothes. But who knows if they had a shower or not what they must have smelled like, but that actually kind of worked in Joseph's favor because, you know, the abominable part, the shepherds. But the point is, is that Joseph was a very great man in Egypt, and he was living in the palace, and the famine, on the other hand, had reduced his family to paupers. And yet, this great man, Joseph, owned his brothers as his own family. In spite of their poor condition, this great Joseph fully owned them as these are my brothers. You know, that reminds me, I mean, we've told you this before, but that reminds me of a true story that happened in England where there was a woman, a very poor woman whose husband had died. She was a widow 
and left her destitute, and she had just one son, and she had to raise him on her own. And she so wanted her son to, to, have a, to, to rise out of this life of poverty. And so she determined that she would send her son to university. And by that his education, he's going he's, he's to rise out of poverty. So she worked all her life for this. I mean, it was expensive. It took money for him to go to university. So she worked day and night as a washwoman. And she just took in laundry and worked her knuckles, you know, to, to the bone to make money so that her son could go to university. And her son went to university. And at university, he also did not want to be known as someone who'd come from poverty, from a poor family. So he hung out with the rich kids in the university. He associated with the kids who had, with the, with the, with the students there who had lots of money. And finally the day came of graduation and the mother was so happy to see her son uh, graduate. All those washings at the laundry, those years, day and night, finally came to fruition when his son got, when her son got up there and got his university degree. And so after they had given him his university degree, his mother couldn't contain herself and she yelled out from the crowd his name. And when that happened, one of his rich friends said to him, who is that? And he said, oh, pay no attention to her. She's just an old washwoman that used to do my wash for me. That hurt. But what happened? What happened there? At university, he had become a somebody. And he was now ashamed of his mother, who was a nobody. And he refused to own her as his mother and because she was poor. Well, that true story shows the impact of verse two here when it says Joseph presented his brothers to Pharaoh. I mean, Joseph was a great somebody. His brothers were nobodies, but the great somebody owned these men as his brothers. And in verse two, we can also see that scene of him owning his brothers' his own and saying to Pharaoh, these are, our, these are my brothers, and that makes us think of the Lord Jesus. Why? Because just think of how great the Lord Jesus is. I mean, it says of him in Revelation 19, 16, Revelation 19, 16, he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a, a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I mean, that's a title, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. 
Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Experience a short-term missions trip to Israel, the land and people to whom the Lord Jesus Christ will return. Not only walk where the Lord Jesus walked, but reach who He reached, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Be a part of the encouraging Jewish friends to receive the Lord Jesus. Israel Alive is all about making friendships with lost Israelis that will hopefully be eternal. We hope you'll join us in reaching the nation of Israel one friendship at a time. For more information, visit us at israelalive.org. That's israelalive.org. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. You are invited to the 4th Annual Taste of Creation Benefit Dinner and Silent Auction in support of the Life and Light Foundation on Saturday, July 14th at 6 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. We will highlight the Life and Light Ministries that include the Creation and Earth History Museum, Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism, and the Friendship with God Radio Ministry. Learn how your faithful support impacts the furtherance of the gospel to millions of lost people. All registered guests will take a walk through history and experience amazing foods themed for each exhibit. Everyone will have the opportunity to take home some amazing auction items, and we will hear from Creation Museum President Tom Cantor. The cost of the event is $39 per person and $59 per couple. Register today at tasteofcreation.com. That's tasteofcreation.com. 